on this episode of Inverse, a challenge to this generation, a generation full of malaise and apathy. Stay with us. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here on Inverse. We, on this episode, we have our two resident millennials here. And as I said in my opener, we have a generation before us that many sociologists say are full of apathy and malaise and non-committal attitudes. And the question is, is that so? And what does the Bible have to say about that? We are in the book of Daniel in this 13-week journey, looking at the characteristics that we need to survive and to endure the last days. And not a study through prophecy only, but looking at the narratives in the book of Daniel. We are in Daniel chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, get them out. And we're going to have a word of prayer by Callie to get started on this episode. Yes. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your word, and I pray right now as we study that you'd open our eyes, that we may see the things you want us to see, and I pray that you would give us understanding, and may we walk away not just with more information, uh, but changed because of your love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, Jonathan, we are going to read chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 18 through verse 24, I guess. But before we actually get into the text, I'm going to ask Siku, set us up here. Uh, Chapter 3 is kind of long. We're not going to read all of it. And Daniel has these wonderful chapters, and they're kind of neatly packaged chapter by chapter. In chapter 3, what's going on here? Um, chapter 3 followed from chapter 2, mm. where... Uh, <laughs> yes. Profound. Yes. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and yeah. Daniel helped to reveal what that dream was. Yeah. And the contents of that dream had to do with this image that was made of different um, metals. Yes. Um, but in chapter 3, I guess Nebuchadnezzar thinks, I'm going to... Re- I'm gonna have a physical representation of my dream, but I'm going to alter it. Mm-hmm. And instead of having a multi-metallic image, I'm going to make an image that is made of solid gold and everybody's going to come worship. It's symbolic of the fact that my kingdom is going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get to in chapter three, where um, Jonathan's going to start reading is everybody is called together to worship this image mm-hmm. to give homage to Nebuchadnezzar's everlasting quote, Mm-hmm. kingdom mm-hmm. and we have god's people among that group of people who are called and we're Sweet. going to find out how yes. they respond yes yes so we're going to look at the actual uh the details of the prophecy in a later episode as siku mentioned the multi-metallic i don't know if that's even a word uh the the prophecy <laughs> of there but the point is that that nebuchadnezzar sets up a gold image meaning his kingdom will endure that's what he wants so he gets really mad in chapter 3 verse 19 and we're going to see uh jonathan why that's the case starting verse 19 mm-hmm. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they, that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery, burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, 
Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Verse 25 too. And verse 25, yeah. <laughs> Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of mm. God. Okay, so Callie, what, what's, why is Nebuchadnezzar mad there? What's, what's, what's what are the details? So he's mad because he set up this image of gold, trying mm. to rewrite the dream that God gave him. Mm-hmm. Like, not just head of gold, but the whole thing's gold. Mm-hmm. They told everybody to bow down, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, thanks, but no. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, he's like, he's like, cool, I'm going to burn you then. They're like, all right. And that's how we got here. Okay. Now, this, uh, thank you for that, that post, uh, post, postmodern millennial version of the Bible. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me ask the two, the millennial residents here we have Ask on us. Staff. Um, ask us. This is kind of an unreasonable chapter, no? In what way? I mean, he's like, hey, just do we really need to risk our lives? It's kind of a little too extreme. Mm. Uh, well, what, 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 what do you have to, to respond to? Kelly. Well, I feel like you're assuming a few yes. things about millennials, and yes. I just want to stand up for us for a second. Yes, please do. Um, so, <laughs> I, I definitely agree. Generation self, self <laughs> yes. justification. Wow. Yes. Now there's no way I could win. That's not fair. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Go, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, I definitely think it's true that in general, there is this thing with our generation that is very much of a lackadaisical, like we don't really care. But I also think we're in a very, a very obsessive uh, generation as well, where there's no in between. There's either we don't care at all or we care a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's people in our generation making changes all around the world about things that other people don't anymore because like, we're like really obsessive. Mm-hmm. So I think it's both. But in there, you know, in, so in, clearly in those two options, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are on the obsessive side. Mm. But, you know, obsessive does have this connotation of like, okay, like over the top. But there are certain things that we should be obsessive about. And one of them is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and obeying God no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's just how they see it because... You know, can, can I go to a verse? Is yes, okay? yeah, no, okay, I, you're cool. in verse, yes. Okay, so verse Verse 16, um, so after Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, I'm going to give you another chance to bow down. Mm. So verse 16, they said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. Mm-hmm. So what I love here is their obsession isn't like God's going to do what we ask him to. Mm-hmm. And that's why we trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, God will deliver us. God will take care of us no matter what. And it'll be perfectly fine. He's saying God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. we're still not going to obey you. That's how devoted we are to our cause mm-hmm. and how devoted we are to God and how devoted we are to our faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um so this this idea here of just, I don't know, it's just like, it's so crazy to me because these are young people and they're so devoted and it does contrast, yes. but it's also, I think, this is going to make me sound like I think millennials are better than everyone and I don't, but I think something about millennials is we don't care about something unless we see a really good reason. Mm. We don't do something because we're told to, which is unfortunate for our parents. Uh, we don't do things because it's just supposed to. Like we have to fully believe in it. We have to fully be committed. And if that's the case, then even if we'll die doing it, we're okay with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I mean, you're bringing up some good points. And this is, uh, <laughs> we set it up as a generational thing, but this, this transcends mm-hmm. generations in many Absolutely. ways. And, and you have defended your generation well. Well, thanks. Uh, well, let me ask Jonathan, <laughs> maybe not in the millennial perspective, but from the European Ooh, perspective. Okay. You're on your own on this one. Um, here <laughs> Sorry. That, so, I mean, let's, let's go, let's delve a little bit into philosophy. Sure. Uh, modernism says, hey, there are absolutes, 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 and you're right or wrong. And then postmodernism is like, well, not 
really. And you don't really have to go that far. And perhaps the European context has really embraced the postmodern, mm. especially after World War One and Two and all these <laughs> world <so>. wars. <laughs> Europe is really vibing with this. Mm -hmm. And this chapter is kind of offensive to, to even willing to die for an mm -hmm. absolute. Like, Isn't relax. that what caused relax. all this world problems anyway? Mm -hmm. how, how, would we, how would we answer that? Uh, as you're thinking about Good luck. Let's do, I mean, just to add to, okay. to the... Okay, going to bail you out. Fuel right. to the fire. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, it's going to be worse. Sorry, right. Yes. No, that, just, we already have a fire in the furnace. <laughs> adding seven times hotter. All right. <laughs> no, it's just um, this idea of the absolutes and being willing to die for stuff. Yes. That's when people think about terrorism nowadays. Yes. That's true. It's, that's the kind that's, of person they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. It's people is who are inflexible, exactly. you know, and just, yeah. yes. ah, what I believe is what I believe, and I'm right no matter yes. what. So, Jonathan, how are you not a and terrorist? And the shock <laughs> is there's a certain attraction <laughs> mm -hmm. to that from different parts around the world. Yeah, yep. yeah. This, this, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So, Jonathan, Jonathan. The Well, the answer to all of these questions. Um, <laughs> we believe in you. You, you know, what do you see in, I mean, in history after World War II, there were absolutes at war. Um, people standing for, you know, democracy, people standing for fascism, all this stuff going on. You have the communism. And so after World War II, a lot of people were like, you know, no one has the right answer. Everyone just do your own thing and mm. just let you me have my own that. truth. You have your truth yes. and let's just get along yeah. and let's compromise. That. But at the same time, uh, we still have absolutes. In Europe, for example, right now, um, science is is the god. I mean, like, if it's proved by science, that's what it, we're going to go with. Mm -hmm. And not that science is bad. We believe in science, right. you know. Science reveals a lot about God's nature and so mm -hmm. on. But um, it has become the, the benchmark. It's what we look at as, as, as the, the absolute truth, so to say. Mm -hmm. So there is still absolute truth, but we, uh, it's, it's this weird paradox, really, because mm -hmm. on the one hand, we say, oh, you have you're just your own experience, and yeah. I have my own experience. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to especially in religion, and then we say, well, science says, so your religion must be wrong. It cannot yeah. work that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting. We're entering into even a post-postmodern post. yes. era where enough of this frilly-frally stuff going on and that people can very, get very absolute about mm. being postmodern. <laughs> we <laughs> must experience. It's my experience. And then that's yeah. kind of, they get so adamant about that. Mm -hmm. And I would submit that we have not yet experienced biblical absolutes mm -hmm. coming into play mm -hmm. up to this point in Earth, Earth's history. And we're gonna, we know that from prophecy, a time like that will happen mm -hmm. in the future. We're looking at the, 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 the narrative of Daniel chapter 3. We'll look at how, how Daniel is standing. Oh, not Daniel. Actually, it's his three friends are standing up for the right, though the heavens fall. Mm -hmm. When we come back after the break, we're going to look at the actual dynamics on how to have radical commitment in your life. Stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We are grappling with these big ideas of philosophy and modernism and postmodernism. And if you're thinking this is translating a little too high, these have all ramifications and all these ideas come to a, a coalition point, at least in prophecy. But here, the point that we're talking about is how do we develop this kind of radical commitment? Um, it's, 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 there's a connection. Well, let me ask you this. I, I won't say it, but uh, what is the connection between, between love and death? 
Haha, <laughs> oh, that got really weird. Because <laughs> well, uh, uh, here, because sure, in a sense, they're saying, "Hey, we love God that we're going to die," and to the postmodern mind, that's that's kind of extreme. Like, what's the connection <laughs> well, there? I think the story, uh, the narrative here in Daniel is very interesting because we start in chapter one uh, with a situation where these young people, amongst others, are being taken away from their home. I mean, they're going through some terrible experiences. In that experience of traveling through the desert for months to Babylon from Israel. They had to make decisions. They had to think about what is happening and how does that fit into their understanding of, of God and their relationship with God. These were young guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we see in Daniel chapter 1 is that you know, they are they're purposing in their heart to be faithful to God. And in Daniel chapter 2, that faithfulness is being tested and it comes out. And yes. now again, Daniel chapter 3, the faithfulness again is being tested. So that decision they made when they were young mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. played a big role and it was the foundation for, uh, for all these trials that were coming their way. Now, in connection to life and death and love, mm-hmm. uh, the reality is that you can know that something is true and you can stand for it and defend it on Facebook really strongly. <laughs> but when the trials come, um, if you don't have, I mean, in this case, a relationship with God, a love connection with God, you are going to be in trouble because knowing the facts versus having a love relationship is a big mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, just to add to the, the, the love connection, mm-hmm. um, you think about every great romance is you love so much that you're willing to die. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether you're willing to die for or die with, you know, it's just when when you love deeply, life life finds its value in the relationships that we have. Mm-hmm. And so when the love is that deep, the the love transcends even life itself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense yeah. when I say it that way. Um, so when we find in chapter three, verse fourteen. After Nebuchadnezzar hears that these three men, boys, will not mm. bow down, mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar questions them. He says, is it true? Is it true that you're willing to die for this? I mean, come mm-hmm. on, guys. He didn't have to question them. Mm-hmm. Like, they had broken the law that had been set up. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was throw them in the fiery furnace. But these were people that he trusted. They were part of his government. Mm-hmm. He wanted them to live. He wanted them to recant their position so they could keep their lives. Mm-hmm. So this speaks to the kind of people that they were, which we've already established in chapters 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were devoted. They weren't just devoted to God, but to the extent that a heathen king wanted to save their lives, mm-hmm. right? So they were the kind of people that interacted with others in a congenial way, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't obnoxious Christians who were like, ah, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were, they were nice people, right? Yeah, yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar is like, what can I do to save you guys? And they're like, you know what? There's, you can throw us in there. We, it's not like we want to go in a fire, but right. our relationship with God, our love for God is such that we're willing to go to that extent if... Mm-hmm. If we have to, yes. you know, and yes. I, I, and the picture I have in my mind is the king kind of respecting their their commitment, you know, because of the kind of people that they were wishing that he could do something to save them. But also, you know, he made this law. It's just kind of, you know, they love God. Yeah. What can you do? I, I love these two points that you made that, that, that I extrapolate. And I have a question for you is, is that when it comes to life and love, oh, I love that point that that love for God actually got higher that their life meant nothing Mm -hmm. and that really seems to be an ideal Mm -hmm. that we all want to strive for in Mm -hmm. some way but it's what you love is if is it it worth it is it worth your life Mm -hmm. that's really the question that we all have to to battle and 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 here it it was god Mm -hmm. the second question i have for you and the point you made was this um i think there's some people who are afraid uh, I don't want to. Com- I, I, I want to stand up for God. I don't want to compromise, but I don't want to seem obnoxious. I like that word. 
So what is the difference between someone who stands up for God and, you know, integrity and you have, like, you know, trumpets playing in the background, da, da, da. And then you have another one, like, I'm obnoxious, obnoxious and they have that weird, you know, you know, voice. Like, And there are Christians who are like that, yes or no? And they, 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 they spoil the, the scene for the rest of us. What is the difference? Maybe I'm one of them. I don't know. But what's but how do we... How do we... How do we... How do we bifurcate the the difference between Ooh, those the two things? Ones. Yes. Okay. Kelly, you're I, looking at me like I want to speak. Stop talking. I do. Yes. <laughs> well, first, just a little nuance is it does depend on your definition of obnoxious. Yes. Because there are some people who would say mm. Jesus is obnoxious. Okay. So there are certain things that because Jesus didn't fit in. That mm-hmm. was kind of mm-hmm. the point. To so the Pharisees and the the law. The law yeah, yeah. Guys. yeah. So yeah, yeah, if because yeah. there can be extreme, like I don't want to stand out at all. Yes. Like, well, probably can't help you there, buddy. Sorry. So can't do that. But the idea of kind of what you're talking to more of people who like are obnoxious and like too far, and Jesus would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so those kinds of people, um, I I mean, when I see it, I so I actually err on the other side. My my struggle is hiding things because I don't want to be too much mm-hmm. instead of like going too hard. So it's hard for me to kind of visualize because I'm not that way. I yeah. the side. Yeah. But I do think part of it in, is, is pride mm. um, because I think of some people who, you know, publicly speak out in a very obnoxious way or, you know, people who have megaphones and like, hey, you ma'am, you are dressed inappropriately. You, sir, you need to come to Jesus. Like, why is that? That's not inviting. Like, that's, what are you doing? Right. And it's almost like the self-imposed fulfillment of like, I need to call people to God. But like, if you actually read the Bible, um, mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't act like that. So I don't know why you're doing that. And yeah. it can also be like, well, I'm better than you. And I need to show that to you, which is even, you know, going back to Matthew, when Jesus says, you know, don't, don't announce yourself when you are fasting or when you're giving to the needy. And that's just because if you do, you already have your reward. Like, so you got you're, it. you're saying that um, mm-hmm. why they are or, or what they're calling people to do is still right. For example, in the case of calling out, you know, modesty and, yeah. and people should come to Christ. Right. Yeah, and it's evangelism. True. But you're saying how they do it is just as important well, as what they're doing. Well, because, I mean, you win people, too, by what you win them by. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, especially even when I'll say on the other side of, you know, when you adapt too much to even to millennials, even though sometimes it's, I think it's insulting, of dumbing things down to like this very watery Christianity, congratulations, yes. yeah. you won them to watery Christianity. Yes. Like, how does that help anyone? Yeah. So the the method is also what you win them to. Okay. I just wanted, I just wanted to say, too, yes. that um, when, when they respond to Nebuchadnezzar, when they're brought before him and given mm-hmm. a second chance kind of thing. At the end of verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar asks a poignant question. He says, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? It reminds me of, of um, the Pharaoh, you know, when the Israelites yeah. are trying to leave. Like, who is this God, right? And, and that's kind of the question in the world. It's like, who is this God? And they have an opportunity now to respond. And their response is just beautiful because mm-hmm. they're not, their focus is not on we want to be saved from this fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's focus mm-hmm. is. It's like, who's this God who can save you from the fire? Like we never, we never but their focus isn't even on the fire. Mm-hmm. Their focus is on God himself. Mm-hmm. And so to Callie's point of, you know, do this or live this way or it's that kind of thing, in our individual Christian experience, we can get focused on those things too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. God says, I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that or I should do this and that. Mm-hmm. But God's point is, I want you to focus on me mm. and I give you the strength to have victory in these areas, mm. right? So come. yes, those are the right things to do or not do, mm-hmm. but the focus needs to be on God. And because mm-hmm. of their focus on God, they cannot bow down. Mm-hmm. So the focus is not on, I must not bow down, I must not bow down. The focus <laughs> yeah. is on, 
I must worship God, and if this is going to pull me away from that, then I can't do it because I need to worship God. In many ways, it's as if that, you know, in verse 25, Mm -hmm. the Bible says, I see four men loose walking in the midst of them, and fire they are not, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Mm. Uh, It's as if, by the way, the Son of God is like Jesus' favorite title that he uses for himself. That's found in in this. (laughs) Anyway, um, but it's as if that they were so mindful of him Mm -hmm. that, that he was already there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not in front of the king. They're in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. So then there's the fire. Well, Jesus made the fire. You know, yeah. like, uh, we're just not. And then, and then the cool thing is, of the people who got to see him, Nebuchadnezzar's eyes are the ones that are open oh, to that's see. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Because he, he spiritually couldn't see, so his little eyes had to be open. But mm-hmm. these guys have been with Jesus the entire time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, do we have that kind of relationship with mm-hmm. God? How do, we, how do we get that continuous focus because i mean the minute with this this the studio ends here i mean we're, we're going to go out and get some lunch and we're going to get some dinner i mean do we have that where the son of god is mm. next to us the entire time mm. how do we develop those kind yeah. of and that's the, the radical commitment that this chapter seems to be alluding to yes yeah, stand up for da 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 but how do we get close to jesus yes. jonathan well um the key the, no, <laughs> go. the key the key to this is really faithfulness today Hmm. So uh, we can think a lot about the future and what's going to happen and the great trials we, we can expect. But Jesus says himself in Matthew 6, you know, focus on what's happening right now. Focus on me and be faithful today. Uh, it started with small trials for Daniel and his friends, chapter 1, and it was about the food. Hmm. Now it's about their life, you know. Hmm. Um, and so if we're faithful today uh, to God because we love him, mm. uh, that faithfulness, that grows our character, that makes us ready. I can know all the facts about the end times and all the things that are going to happen and the terrible thing, but I can still not remain faithful when that comes if my faithfulness today is not uh, happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how do we do that? Um, I mean, it's the cliche answers, but spending time with God in the Word, knowing him through the Word, having a, a, a deep um, connection with him through prayer and surrender and really letting him speak to you on a daily basis mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to get used to that as well to think oh you know uh, i did my devotions i read my little thing so no but letting god give you a fresh revelation of him every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and i just want to harp on this because i know a lot of times when we come to god or we want to have this great relationship with god we're really looking for that that's that magic pill like mm-hmm. if i just study this book of the bible right. or i study between these hours of the day and it's like it really has nothing to do with that mm-hmm. i remember i was giving bible studies to a very good friend of mine a few years ago and at the end of it, I, I had an appeal. I can't even remember what it was at this point. But he just looked at me, and he's like, you know, I'm convicted, but it really helped there was some, like, music right now. Just to get my, like, emotions, you know, like, yes, Jesus, take everything. And, like, it's, it's okay if we have those coming to Jesus moments, but it's like if you're dependent mm. on an altar call and with hype-up music and, like, yes, Jesus, like, if that's what you require, then clearly, mm. like, when, when did Jesus do that? Mm-hmm. And when he was walking among us. And so... It really is just the day in and day out of I'm committing to, I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, I'm, I'm sure I can speak for all of us, that there are some days where we're super excited to study the Bible and pray, and there are some days that is literally the last thing mm-hmm. we want to do right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's important to know that it's the same as any relationship, that it takes, love is a feeling, but even more importantly, it's a discipline and a decision that grows into a feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting, Kelly, that, that you speak of music. 
in, in chapter You're three. Uh, that's, that's actually very interesting. Now, there's been a lot of controversy on, on music and genre conversations, and that's really not the point. The point here seems to be, uh, in tying into your, converse, uh, to your comment, is that in, in, there, there will be a time where there are these external factors that move you towards one decision, and then there's it's just your free will choosing yeah. another decision, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got fear, you got uh, music, you got ambiance, you got the visual, you got the audio, you got the existential, you got all these things that are just moving, and even cr- social, uh, social the, yeah. what is it, the peer, peer, the pressure. peer pressure, it's all pushing you towards this, and the only thing that can fight against that is just your single free will decision. It's like, yeah. um, no, or yeah. yes, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that, that fights against this in Entire wave of all this. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're talking about, yeah. Callie. Because you're excited, we'll come back to the group. Okay, really sorry. Sorry. <gasps> I just want to. I just want to say, like, yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, just just basically saying yes to the, what you exactly said, yes. and I'm just having a, a modern day parallel to that. Of yes. I have gone to, um, I think it was a, it was a co- like one day conference somewhere. I actually remember what it was, but I was there and pastor was preaching and the appeal at the end i mean super powerful had amazing musicians the music surged but his appeal i was like about to stand but i was like i don't agree with that mm. i don't think jesus is like that mm. and so but like everyone's like yes and everyone's standing up and like the people looking at me but i'm like i can't so like you had I, a reverse experience but like everyone's want, standing up and you're yeah. the only one Everyone's sitting down. down yeah so like i want like everything emotionally pure like yeah. all the music i'm like it looks like i don't love jesus yeah but i'm like i just disagree with how you portray him so i can't commit to what yeah. you said and mm-hmm. i want to say that's awkwardly. okay the son of man was sitting there next amen. to you yeah. Yeah. Amen. yeah so but just the modern day equivalent yeah. yeah amen 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 to that yeah. siku thank you so uh, much for sorry siku Callie was about to explode oh sorry it's okay but i want to uh I was going to harp back to Daniel chapter 1 okay. with the temperance conversation yes, mm. and the ability to say no in small things like what you're going to eat. Mm. Um, those little decisions build you up to be able to say no in these kind of situations mm. where yes. there's this huge wave of everything is pushing you in a certain direction. But if, you, if I cannot have victory at my dinner table, mm. you know, if me. I can't say no to that mm. thing that is in my fridge that shouldn't be in there in the first place, <laughs> how am I going to say no when everything around you, yes. you know, is, is calling you to, to bow down? Yes. So this, the, the, I guess we're talking about secrets and keys to this, like yes. the small thing, the everyday thing, but the everyday small thing even, yeah. like faithfulness in the little things. And we see up to this point, they have had that experience. Um, and it sets them up for success. May I just add one thing uh, before sure. you close? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is with them. And so when we struggle in those moments where we're like, I don't want to surrender this, I don't want to be faithful, Jesus wants to be with you and will be with you if you let him. Mm. Right. Uh, so I just want to encourage you know, our viewers and all of us to, to surrender in those moments and yes. letting Jesus, the Son of God, be with you through yeah. the trial. Mm. Amen, amen to that. I hope you really take Jonathan's counsel really seriously. The strength to say no to the world comes from our strength to say yes to Jesus. And as we looked at today's conversation, the more we say yes to Jesus in these small events, it gets, uh, we get more strength to say yes in these larger events. This conversation has been a blessing to me. Hopefully it's been a blessing to you. And hopefully you will have developed more of a radical commitment to take your love for Jesus higher than your own life. And that's our prayer for all, each one of us. Hopefully that's yours. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel. 
television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.